Are you looking to extend your faith in God? You're in the right place. This is a biblical and practical approach to God's words. Welcome to Be the Gospel with your host, Anthony T. Jarena. Hello, this is Anthony with day five of Heal the Sick with Brother Osborne's book, Heal the Sick. And so far, it's been amazing. Four chapters. Now we're on day five, chapter five, and we're going to be diving into this. There's a lot here that we're going to be expounding upon that he really doesn't go into a lot of time. He doesn't take a lot of time to elaborate, to expound on what he's referring to. And <clears throat> it's made me go back and just kind of rethink many things that we think we know about what scripture says and what it's referring to, what it's conveying about in a name. But we'll get there. We'll take it one step at a time. All right. So chapter five is asking the father in Jesus name. John 16, 24. Whatever you ask in my name, I that I will uh, that will I do that the father may be glorified in the son. John 16, 23. Whatever you shall ask the father in my name, he will give it to you. According to the scriptures, we have a right to ask the Father for healing in the name of Jesus Christ and receive healing. If we believe God's word, we may ask in Jesus' name and we shall receive that which we, are, which we ask. That is, as John said in 1 John 5.14, if we ask anything according to his will, and certainly healing is his will for all, which we've proved in the last four chapters, right? If you are suffering from sickness, you have a right to ask the, the Father for healing. Whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you, you receive it and you shall have it. Mark eleven twenty four. However, note that our asking must be in the name of, in Jesus' name. So this brings something to my attention that I don't think a lot of people actually take time to go back and look into is what does it mean to be in the name? Right. What what is in the name of Jesus saying? Does it say that we use Jesus uh, in the name of Jesus? That phrase as an incantation or a spell or hocus pocus? No, no, no. It's not any of those things. What it actually is saying is in those times, in Roman times, when Jesus was growing up and how they understood this is according to the family's name that you lived in that household. For instance, if you have the last name, my last name's Tijerina, right? So if Tijerina existed during that time, and we were known for loyalty and honesty, and maybe we were politicians, right? So that's what we would be seen as. If 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 any of you said, well, I'm of the household of Tijerina, you'd say, in the name of Tijerina, then it's like you're representing that person, that family, that means that you automatically carry the the loyalty factor, the the honesty, integrity factor, and and so on, right? Whatever's being represented by that name. So let's say we take another family, and they're known for lying, cheating, and stealing, and and all this other stuff, right? So as soon as somebody hears their name, they automatically think, okay, these people cannot be trusted. We need to watch them carefully because they're up to no good somehow, somewhere. See, this is what is in the name. So when we say in the name of Jesus, it, we're essentially saying in his character, in his likeness, 
in his nature. See, because this ties in perfectly into what it says in Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> if you've never taken your time to read Romans chapter 8, read it slowly. Read every word. Don't try to rush through it. Read everything. And you'll find certain passages that stick out to you like it stuck out to me. For instance, the passage that says, If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you do not belong to Him. Okay, that is interesting, right? Because what is it saying? What is what is the Paul getting at there? What does it encompass? What does it entail? So we can see that there's such power in the name of Jesus. Because it's a pure name. It's a holy name. It's a righteous name. It's a it's a wisdom is associated with his name. You know, there's redemption and sanctification and purity and all these things. Healing is in his name. So we can see all this in Jesus. Therefore, we can say in the name of Jesus. Right. So one thing we don't find anywhere in the Gospels is Jesus saying in the name of Father God. It's not there. So why? Why didn't he say in the name of my father? And we all would have known in the name of God. Right. But he didn't do that. Instead, he prayed with complete certainty knowing that he was representing the heart, the will of God by his actions, by his character, right? So this is something that I've really pondered on and thought about even in the forming of Be the Gospel, right? So when we look at Be the Gospel, a lot of people, they say, well, we want to join Be the Gospel. It's like, we have no membership, okay? There's no membership for Be the Gospel. It's a matter of how you live your life, your life is exemplary, is, is, is the example, let me put it that way, is the example of being the gospel. Then you can say, yes, you're be the gospel, right? Because you're bringing good news everywhere you go. When you pray for the sick, they're healed. When you, you prophesy and you're edifying, you're encouraging, you're lifting up, you're getting words of knowledge, you're getting words of wisdom. It's, you're not leaving people the same everywhere you go because God is freely moving and speaking through you because he's in you and so on and so forth, right? So when we look at the name, it is so important that we realize what is in the power, uh, what is in the name of Jesus Christ, the power that's in the name of Jesus, right? So let's continue. The power of Jesus' name. There is power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is written in Philippians 2, 9 and 10. God also has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of, of things in heaven, angels, and things on earth, men and animals, right? And things under the earth, demons. Beings in all three worlds must bow to the name of Jesus, that that name holds dominion over Satan and his entire kingdom. But not just over Satan, but over the entire world, right? As we were just reading. Smith Wigglesworth tells of ministering to a man who was dying of tuberculosis he said that while standing beside the bed, they did nothing but repeat the name of Jesus over and over. The presence of God began to fill the room. Healing flowed into that dying man's body and he arose perfectly whole. Now, I have a similar story. When I was in a church back in Elgin, Texas, there was a, a, a two-year-old son 
that wandered away from the party and ended up in the pool. And before they realized he was in the pool, he had been there for at least five, ten minutes. They pull him out. He's completely purple. They try CPR. They call the ambulance, but they're out in the middle of the country. And it takes 15, 20 minutes for the ambulance to get there. And while they're waiting, they realize, you know, they've done everything they could. They, they you know, administered CPR and everything and, and nothing. So the family gathered around this two-year-old little boy and they didn't know what to pray. They didn't know how to pray, according to the father. They just held hands and they started saying the name of Jesus. And he said, as soon as they said the name of Jesus, they felt something rise up in them, stir up in them, the spirit of God stirring up in them. So he said the name of Jesus again and again and again and again in one accord. And within a few minutes, the boy comes back to life. And so the power that's in the name of Jesus, calling on Jesus' name, and we're about to get to that, um, where two or, two or more are gathered in his name, that there's something about this, okay, that we're going to get into that is just absolutely amazing. But I just wanted to share that testimony with you. So it says, Peter said to the crippled man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man walked. Paul said to a demon, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the same woman was perfectly restored. Jesus left his name with us. We have a right to use it. Satan is commanded to respect that name, which is above every name. And his entire kingdom is compelled to obey our command, which is given in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to challenge some things here because what happens is when we grow up in a certain paradigm and knowing brother Till Osborne, he kind of did grow up in the word of faith movement and stuff. And they were highly focused on dominion and authority. And you can hear it here. Yes, we can see the effects of dominion and authority in Jesus Christ. However, those weren't his focus. He never said, this is how you exercise dominion. You won't find that anywhere in, in Jesus' teachings. He's telling them, do this, don't do that, right? This is the nature of God. I'm, I just do the will of God. I, I do what I see him do. I, I say what he tells me to say. Everything I do is his will, right? So he's living the example in, in showing us the way on how we're supposed to walk on this earth as children of God, plain and simple. So what do I want to get at here is that nowhere in scripture does it say, now I'm going to qualify this, okay? Does it say that he's giving you authority? <laughs> come on, come on, go ahead. Right. So a lot of people that go back in Genesis 126, uh, it says, or 128, it says, has given you dominion. Right. So he gave man dominion of the earth, but man lost the dominion of the earth. Who got it back? Jesus. Right. So dominion belongs to Jesus. Jesus says all authority in heaven and earth belongs to me. Right? So everything belongs to Jesus. Now, here's the thing. And this is something I want you to think about. When you, if you're a man, right, and you get married, do you baptize your wife into your name? Oh, yeah, we're going to step on that one, aren't we? Right? So think about it. Do you go to your wife and say, I'm going to dip you in water. When you come up, you're going to have my last name. You're going to be like my wife. Daisy Tijerina, right when you come out of the water and you are now, you've now entered into my name. No, that didn't happen then, right? 
She entered into my name by coming into covenant with me. According to our laws of the land and according to scripture, right? So what happened is when the marriage was, however you want to see it, consummated or, or whatever, is when we became one before God. And this is basically what happens and what is a picture of what Jesus is saying. So how does this apply to dominion authority? It's his authority. He came and he restored dominion, right? Through his authority. Because if you don't have authority, then you can't really take dominion. It would be illegal. You would be considered a thief. So Jesus has all dominion. And it doesn't say that, okay, I give you now authority. I give you now dominion. Because if that were the case, then that means, now please hear me out. I know some of you, this is stepping on your toes. It's okay. It's okay. We're, we're going to get to it. So if God gave you authority, that means you can abuse authority. Think about that. Look at the Old Testament. Was there ever abuse of authority? Yes, there was. It's, it's rifled with abuse of authority, right? Look at even King David with uh, Bathsheba and, and, and her husband. He abused his authority and had him killed. So when we look at when God trusts us with authority, that means we can do whatever we want with it. I mean, doesn't mean that there's not going to be consequences because there's going to be consequences. However, you could do whatever you want with it. But that's not the case. That's not what Jesus is saying. Now, let's go back in Luke 10, 19. It says, you know, I give you authority, the trap upon all the, the power of the enemy, right? Upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. And so we can see that he's given authority, but it was delegated authority. He had given it to his disciples because he hadn't gone to the cross yet, right? So he, he hasn't made the church his bride yet. Think about it. This is why I'm bringing up, you know, marriage. It's because when you begin to see what Jesus is actually doing is that we are his body and he exercises dominion authority through us. Yes, we can operate in dominion authority, but it's his dominion authority. It's him in us. It's not for us to use however we want, because then it would work 100% of the time. And you can do whatever you want with this dominion authority. You can walk into somebody's house and say, right now, in Jesus' name, this is mine. And all of a sudden, on the deed, the name changes. And, and on the public records, the name changes. And everything changes in a split second just because you exercise your dominion, you exercise your authority. See, that sounds ludicrous, but that's exactly what a lot of people are teaching. And this isn't correct. Let's go back to the biblical standard. Let's go back and see what Jesus is actually saying. There's authority in God, right? And this is why I use the example of light. First John 1, 5. In, this has been our message from the beginning, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So when we look at the nature of light, we can say light has dominion and authority over darkness. But then we miss the very core, the very essence of what light actually is. That it's its nature to naturally dominate all darkness. It doesn't struggle. It doesn't strive. It immediately gets it immediately expels darkness because of its nature, and that's the definition of dunamis. 
that it's the inherent power by a person or a thing's nature. So it's naturally within them. Uh, the nature that's naturally within them is what produces the power. So in back to Luke ten nineteen, the enemy has dunamis. It's according to his nature, but he's a created being, right? He's darkness. So when we look at God, who is light, his light naturally shines and overcomes darkness very easily. It doesn't matter if it's one demon, doesn't matter if it's a thousand or 10,000 demons, light expels them all immediately and quickly. And we see this exemplified in the life of Jesus Christ. And this is what's important. This is what we have to get after. And this is what we have to understand. It's his authority and dominion in us flowing through us because Jesus is in us. His spirit is in us. The father's made his abode in us and he, all of them, the fullness of the Godhead is flowing in us and through us and impacting the world around us. So bringing it back to the topic of, of the chapter, <laughs> I know we, we've talked about a lot, covered a lot of things and you can go back and you can study this out and I implore you to do so. I encourage you to do so because there's so much here. And this is why we have to go back to scripture and read it slowly for ourselves instead of getting somebody's opinion or, you know, previous people's opinion or hear different sermons on the topic. Just go back to scripture and study it for yourself. See what it actually says. Show me after Jesus' resurrection where he says, I give you authority. And you don't find that anywhere until the book of a revelation where it says you've been faithful with this so i will give you authority over a city and that's the first time we find when jesus is saying i will give you authority after his resurrection now isn't that interesting hmm something to think about sorry i wasn't trying to go there it just naturally came out so whoever that was for happy nugget day <laughs> golden nugget day right so the the resources of heaven Remember, it was it was this Jesus who conquered sin, Satan, disease, death, hell, and the grave. We use his name by his authority. And this is what Brother Osborne is driving at, exactly what I'm sharing with you, okay? As E.W. Kenyon writes, when Jesus gave us the right to use that name, the Father knew all that that name would imply when breathed in prayer by oppressed souls. And it is always his joy to recognize that name. The possibilities involved in that name are beyond our understanding. And I believe this is what God is trying to bring us back to is the understanding of what it means to be in the name of Jesus. That is not some fancy way to end the prayer. It's it's done in, in the character and the nature of God. Right. So did Jesus have to say in the name of Jesus when he prayed? No, that sounds crazy. Why? Because he already had a perfect relationship with God. And he just talked to God like normal, right? And so standing, understand, I'm trying to simplify this the best way I can. So standing here on the earth as Christ's ambassador, we are not free to speak according to what we want, but according to what he wants, right? So ambassador doesn't speak of themselves. This is why the United States, some of the United States ambassadors were fired and removed from office is because they were saying what they want instead of what the president was conveying for them to say. Okay, if you agree or don't agree, that doesn't matter. That's not the job of the ambassador. The ambassador represents the president. So in our case, 
being ambassador of Christ, we represent the king here on earth. And so when we see that, we begin to understand that, then we say what he wants us to say. We do what he wants us to do and see how everything, all this starts coming together. It begins to make sense. And that he wants us to understand what is involved in, in the nature and the character of Jesus. Like mercy and forgiveness and love and justice. Yes, even justice is a characteristic of Jesus. We can find that all through the Gospels. So let's continue. When Jesus says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he, will, he is giving us a, a sign checked on the resources of heaven. Come on. He has given us a signed check on the resources of heaven and asking us to fill it in. What a privilege. He's giving you a blank check for whatever the issue is that you just, it's already signed. All you have to do is fill in the amount, fill in what needs to be taken care of, fill in what, what you need, and God takes care of the rest because he's the president of the bank of heaven. And since he's the president of the bank of heaven, who happens to be our father, then we know absolute surety. We have that absolute surety in Christ Jesus that it's ours. Mm. Good stuff, right? If you are indeed, if you are in need of healing, if you are indeed in need of healing, begin to a study of the resources of Jesus in order to obtain a measure of the wealth which that name holds for, for you today. It is yours to use today. Jesus said so. Only believe and begin to use his name in prayer today. Jesus is saying, in effect, you ask the Father in my name and I will endorse the peti petition and the Father will give you anything I have endorsed. As we accept our rights and privileges in the new covenant and pray in Jesus' name, it appears that the request and the petition passes out of our hands into the hands of Jesus. He then assumes the responsibility of that need. We know that he said, Father, I thank you that you hear me and I know that you hear me always. In other words, we know that the Father always bear, always hears Jesus. And when we pray in Jesus' name, it is as though he, Jesus himself were doing the praying. Now, that is something to think about right there. He takes our place. The answer is sent to us from the Father and we rejoice. That simple. So let's look at irre irrevocable provision. If you need healing... You may ask the Father for it in Jesus' name, believe that he hears you, and you will find your, your sickness will leave. Why? This is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, and it says whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions, and the word there in Greek is actually answers. It's the, the request effects, the effects of the request, which would technically be the answer, that we have desired of him. It is yours. You have a right to it. Ask him for it and receive your health in Jesus' name because Jesus gave us permission to use his name in prayer. Again, I think of, you know, if I have a joint checking account with my wife, she can use the joint checking account because of the name. She's in my name, right? So she can come and as a representative of Anthony Tijerina, Sign a check 
even though she's putting Daisy Tijerina, it's representing our name, my name, right? Do you see this? You see the similarities? So that it anything that is asked for, anything that is is requested of the bank, and, and, and it's in the account, and with God, his, his account's unlimited, right? He's got the black credit card where he can just swipe anything, buy a new jet, $100 million, no big deal. He just wipes that card, boom, it's his, right? So when we ask with that understanding, then it's ours, and, it, and this is how it works. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and you shall ask anything in my name, and I will do it. So here Jesus is saying over and over again, throughout the Johns, ask anything in my name. If it's in my will for you, for your life, and it's a promise that you can clearly see in Scripture, then it's for you. Receive it with undoubtingly, because the blessing of God makes rich and adds no sorrow. He makes healthy. He doesn't bring sickness. We can see clearly what God is conveying, what Jesus is saying, that healing is for you. If you need healing, you may ask the Father for it in the name of his Son, and you shall receive it, and your joy will be full. Amen? Peter took Jesus at his word, and to the lame man needing healing, he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Jesus touches every phase of life. The name has never lost its power. You may receive healing through that name. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in the name of Jesus, you can be healed. You can be set free. People are saved through that name. For there is no other name where, whereby we must be saved. You can pray and make your petitions to the Father in that name. In that name, the lame, impotent, and helpless are made to walk again. Jesus said, in my name, they shall cast out devils. Paul proved this prophecy of Jesus to be true several years after Jesus had spoken it. Paul said to the evil spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. What power that name has for the church today. It touched every phase of the early church. According to Colossians 3.17, we are taught whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ. Do all in the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. And this is what I'm conveying to you, that in the name, it's talking about representing the character and the nature of Jesus Christ and how that impacts and how that changes and what it causes. Okay, because when you start operating and living the life of Jesus, you let him flow through you. He changes your nature. He changes your character. He changes everything about you. And all you have to do is surrender to him and you begin to see the effects of it. It begins to overflow naturally. You're not trying to heal someone. You just happen just to put your hand on their shoulder and boom, they're healed. What did you do to me? I didn't do anything to you. No, no, I had pain and now I don't have pain. Well, I didn't even pray. How is this possible? Because of the overflow of, of the nature and the spirit of God in your life naturally pours out into others around you. That's simple. According to Colossians 3.17, we are taught, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 5.20, we learn that we should always be th giving thanks for all things to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13.15, we are told to offer the sacrifice of praise to his name. In, in James 5.14, we are instructed to anoint the sick in the name of the Lord. In 1 John 3.23, we are informed this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. 
we see by these scriptures that the name of Jesus touches every phase of life of the Christian. And it must fill a place in our thoughts, in our prayer lives, in our teaching and preaching, a place about which many are altogether unlearned because they have never been, they have been untaught today. <laughs> a place without which many are altogether unlearned because they have been untaught today. So true. See, when we start going against what Jesus says, what what, what the Word of God says, it, it creates craziness. It creates um, things that we don't understand, we don't comprehend, right? And um, when you start going back to what Scripture actually says and see what the power there is in the name of Jesus and his nature and his character, and that he's given you that same spirit, the spirit of Christ, who he is, that same nature and character that we became a divine partaker of, which we see in Second Peter 1, 4, that this is so important that he's given us his very nature by his spirit. And this is why the spirit of God had to come. This is why Jesus made room for the spirit, the Holy Spirit to come and we can be baptized, we can be immersed, that we can be the the abode and the temple of the Holy Spirit, that he doesn't just come and leave like he did in the Old Testament, but he comes and he stays and he transforms and he regenerates and he washes and he cleanses and he lifts us up and keeps us going continually. So this is so important that we begin to see and we begin to understand everything that is in his name and it's not by our own doing. It's not by our own power. It's by yielding. It's by surrendering to his spirit and let him do what he's going to do. Amen. Well, I hope this is blessing you. I hope this is helping you. I hope I didn't bring any confusion, but I hope it's challenging you. That's my prayer, that it's challenging you, challenging you to, to think beyond and go back to scripture and see exactly what scripture is saying, what it doesn't say. Pay attention to that as well, because that is just as telling. Go back and see exactly what God's word says instead of accepting people's opinions and then portraying those opinions as truth. I want you to go back in, in the things that I'm pointing out and, and verify for yourself. Maybe come up with a different conclusion, but hey, you won't be moved from it because you know the word of God for yourself, right? Well, God bless you. Thank you. Let me pray for you before we go. Also, if this is blessing you, please visit our, our crowdfunding site. And, you know, if you'd like to give a small donation, even if it's just $10, feel free. $10 a month goes a long way um, <clears throat> to accomplishing what we're endeavoring to do this year. Okay? So, so just place your hand on any area of your body. I'm just going to pray for you, and God's going to heal you. So right now, in Jesus' name, you be completely healed and whole from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. All sickness all weakness, every re evil report, every lie. We break your power now in Jesus' name. Be healed, be whole, 100% for the glory of God. Amen. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Be the Gospel with your host, Anthony T. Jarina. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit BeTheGospel.com and on Facebook at Be the Gospel Today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Be the Gospel.